WBZ original. So my only question was, I was like, I'm happy to do it, but like, am I going to be put on the spot being asked for expert advice on something that I know nothing about? Like, can you at least give me the topic? Right. Like, if you ask me, like, my my favorite Thanksgiving pie is, like, that I don't mean. Welcome into Studio BZ, everybody. Season four, episode 10 of Austin's number one podcast. We're number one. Hold on, you guys. Welcome. (laughs) I'm Paula Evan. And I'm John Keller at your service. And I am Liam Martin. Nice to have you back, John. We missed you you last week. We missed you. Paula and I talked about gift-giving anxiety. Um, We both decided we weren't getting you anything. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And that if we did, it would be a Peloton. Yes. Because we've been meaning to Are you implying that I'm fat? (laughs) (laughs) You A. But we have alleviated any anxiety about getting a gift. So yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we just hey. decided no gifts for him. By the way, that is a ridiculous controversy about that Peloton. Isn't it kind of silly? I mean, oh, what's he doing trying to fat shame her? And, <laughs> oh, you're going oh, the other way on this one. a little bit one. of a messaging problem. You're going, just so you know, you're going to get an okay boomer for what you just said. Yes. Okay, that's okay, fine. Okay boomer. Not from me. Uh, also from the today, oh, not I from saw, you. Well, no, no, yeah. not from me. Yeah. I saw an interview with the poor actor who plays the husband today. Oh, really? What did he say? panicked about the blowback and oh, what it's going to do. Oh, He's a teacher in Vancouver and he's getting these <laughs> hateful you're messages me. that he looks like an abusive Husband oh, jeez, That part goes over the top. Silly. What, what made the ad weird was how she looks into the camera and says, I didn't realize how much this would change Yeah. Me. Thank you. They never mentioned and It was the message. Exercise. During, right. She can she change her said, life. She should have said, it is a stress reliever. It's what I look forward to in the morning for my... But they didn't do it. Well, the other thing that. they could have done was she, you know, she asks him for it. Right. He surprises her with the Peloton. Right, so clearly in the they must have had a previous conversation. Right. Listen, let's not quibble about the details. The whole thing proves internet trolls can create a controversy okay. out of nothing. <laughs> not a problem. All right, all right. Jonathan hey, is telling us we on, have to get to what is on tap. What is on this week's show? Okay, so uh, I sit down to talk with Somerville Mayor Joe Curtitone. Uh, one of the most interesting cities in the Commonwealth, a very outspoken mayor. We talk taxes, we talk transit. Interesting chat with a guy who just got reelected to his ninth term in office. Mm-hmm. I have an interview with the famous travel blogger Gilbert Ott. You might have seen him. He's had several famous travel campaigns. Catch me if you can. Right now, if you see him in Boston, you're going to get a free flight. But he joined us really not to talk about that campaign as much as to talk about why Logan has such great deals now versus what it used to have a few years ago. Tips for finding the best airline deals and tips for finding the best airline seats, which I'm that's always an issue for me. I need to have a good seat. So we're going to be talking with Gilbert Ott about that. And then Dr. Malika Marshall is coming in to debunk Liam's wild hibernation theory, which if you haven't heard it, John, is just that Liam just wants to stay home now that it's cold. Yeah, that's a basic gist He of wants it. to curl up in the fetal position. He wants to stay home because he's a loving husband and father, and he yeah. wants to be with that beautiful family yeah. and not stuck yes. in this germ-infested place with us, <laughs> I right? Just wanna, I Isn't want, that the truth? I'm a cuddler, John. Oh, there you go. That a boy. We need to know. <laughs> you know, believe it or not, 
uh, I am actually a child of the mean streets of Somerville, Massachusetts. <laughs> I, okay, not as a child, but I did live there for several years. Uh, Those hipsters uh, can get very mean. Yes. Very well, violent. you know, back then, uh, back then. We, we called ourselves Hepcats, not oh, hep hipsters. Yeah. And where, where was that in sort of the hierarchy of the Jets and the Sharks? Uh, well, you know, we were kind of above that. We kind of floated we were above that. We were the pacifists, Liam. You know, we were not into night fights. You were the intellectuals. But uh, I, well, I lived there for several years, and as a, a, a longtime resident of Cambridge, where I grew up, obviously spent a lot of time in Somerville. And uh, so it was great to have an opportunity to sit down here on Studio BZ and talk with the mayor of Somerville, Joe Curtitone, just reelected to a ninth term as mayor of Somerville. And, you know, Somerville's an extremely interesting place, uh, incredibly diverse, uh, incredibly congested. Uh, it's one of the most heavily populated urban areas in the country. Uh, and it's notable for its uh, liberal policies. You know, there's a Black Lives Matter uh, banner hanging on City Hall uh, at the behest of the chief of police. Uh, they regularly vote to raise their own taxes to provide services. It's the originator of things like the Porch Fest, where uh, people perform on their own front porches. Uh, a very interesting and uh, different kind of place. And we sat down to talk about some of the issues besetting Somerville, but I led off our conversation with an anecdote about those salad days. This was back in the era when Somerville was known as Slummerville. It was not necessarily the uh, high-end high, high end destination it, it can be now. Uh, but I started off with an anecdote about something I saw from my living room window when I lived in Davis Square. Our newscasters, our editors all work as an efficient, well-coordinated fact-finding team. Uh, I'm sitting in my apartment, and uh, people would sometimes, if the parking lot of the store 24 was full, they'd live park right along the old railroad tracks yeah, there. The, the cars used to come right by there. Right. Yeah. And so I'm just sitting in my living room kind of looking out the window, and a kid, obviously in his father's boat, Buick, you know, a live parks with the engine running half on the tracks oh. and runs in his, to get his rolling papers or his butts, whatever it is. And uh, so I see him, and I'm just kind of sitting there, and all of a sudden I hear, woo, <laughs> So I perk up. I'm like, this is going to be good. <laughs> Out comes the kid with his butts, and he hears the whistle. And it was like a cartoon. You can see him freak out, right? So he runs over. He's locked himself out oh of the car, keys in, motor running, train bearing down, and he's going to get, it's going to get wiped out. So he's like this. He's like, he dives into a pile of trash, comes out with a wire coat hanger, unravels it, jamming it into the car, pops the lock, and peels out seconds <laughs> before the train comes through. I'm dying laughing. Then I look over. Right across the street in front of the bank is a Somerville cop car with two cops. Uh, elbows on the window. They've been watching the whole scene, and That's they're great. laughing hysterically. <laughs> That's a good Jimmy and Adores, a Somerville technique. You needed to know that growing up. Okay, so you just got reelected to a ninth term, right? Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. It's quite an accomplishment. So you've sort of seen it all. What's the single biggest problem you've got in Somerville right now? Really, uh, I chat. We've been successful. We still have challenges, and they're challenges of prosperity. You know, 
And when I say that, I mean, who gets to participate in the future of Somerville? Who gets to rent or buy a home? And can they afford to be there and send their kids to school and ride the Green Line extension that we've fought for for decades? So it's allowing people a real authentic opportunity to continue to call Somerville home. I think it's the single greatest challenge we have. So you can't fix those issues transit, housing alone, No, right? you got to do it with Beacon Hill. And lately, uh, just a wild guess here, I follow your Twitter feed. Yeah. It's been kind of red hot. You're not too happy with the support you're getting from Beacon Hill. Why? Well, it's going to take leadership at the local and grassroots level and state and federal level. We have an opportunity, and we are in a crisis of, uh, major proportions on housing and transportation and climate here in Massachusetts on the metropolitan Boston region. And we're going to need their leadership and their partnership. So we need them to take on bold systemic change in measures on housing to produce, allow us to produce, preserve uh, housing as well as protect tenants. We need them, We need new revenues to uh, build the transportation system of the future. It allows us to make our roadways safer to take on climate change as well and to create greater accessibility and equity so everyone gets the use of transportation system that connects them to housing, jobs, healthcare, academia. And again, we have a climate crisis where we see the localization of those impacts in every city and town. And we're not tapping into the opportunity of utilizing renewables to fuel that those transportation and energy and uh, systems and housing and our buildings for the future. So it's going to take that partnership of Beacon Hill. And leadership means listening. Leadership means having empathy for the challenges that we have. Leadership means, yeah, taking on the tough debates and have the courage to have the conversation. Kicking the can down the road uh, is not going to do it. Maintaining the status quo is going to worsen the crisis along all fronts. uh, And incremental change just isn't going to do it. Well, you know the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Uh, Seems to me, uh, with regard to new revenue specifically, you're up against a couple of deep-seated and profound areas, uh, sources of resistance in the state. Number one is the longstanding reluctance uh, to see taxes go up. Uh, of course, the prop, Proposition Two and a Half in the early 1980s, and a, a series of statewide referendums uh, opposing a graduated income tax, uh, so forth and so on, uh, and the fact that this is a damn expensive place to live, and costs keep going up, not down. How are you going to overcome all that? Well, I agree with you. you know, I don't like to pay taxes; I pay them. Um, how we utilize and inform the public that we're meeting our fiduciary responsibility to use their tax dollars wisely is important. On the transportation front, people want to know that, hey, if my, the gas tax going up or any other revenue, I want to know. And we ensure assured that the money's going towards that bridge or roadway or a new transit project and not to some bureaucratic coffer. But you can't earmark tax revenues. No, but the gas tax does go for those things. And what we know from polling, John, is that more than 60% of the people of the Commonwealth favor gas tax increase or new tax revenues if it's going to go for that purpose. But we have to lead on that. Matt, we're no longer tax Massachusetts. I think we rank in the 40s somewhere in terms of general broad-based taxes. And on the gas tax, I think we rank uh, like 
21st or 29th uh, uh, in the country. Uh, and we haven't kept up with the inflationary cost of building our road is. But when we localize the, the realities, one, in our cities and towns, our roadways are deteriorating faster at a faster rate than any Chapter 90 roadway funding from the state can help us keep up with. Bridges, many bridges still need to be repaired or in disrepair in this Commonwealth. And we are trying to compete in the 21st century global economy with Nixon-era infrastructure. Uh, so if we're going to be economically competitive, if we're going to help our cities and towns to make our roadways easier to travel on and safer and fix our bridges and improve our quality of life. If we're going to take on climate change, we need dedicated revenue. This isn't just about the T. It's about the regional transit authorities. It's about every city and town in the Commonwealth. And when we make that case, people get it. If the legislature doesn't want to act because it's too hot of a topic, and my concern is we're going into a statewide election year next year when reps and uh, uh, legislators and senators be up for re-election and typically you see things slow down at Beacon Hill, we can't afford that. Then we need to take these conversations and these decisions to the public on the ballot. I'd submit they'll be supportive. So is that the, the stick to hold over the legislature? You know, if you won't act, we'll just go, go to a statewide referendum. We'll force, force the issue. As, one, um, as solely one elected official or resident of this Commonwealth, yeah, that's my position, and there are groups, advocacy groups across the Commonwealth. Now, the coalition for increased revenue is growing. I'm part of a coalition of 45 elected leaders, cities and town managers and, and mayors uh, from the Metropolitan Mayors Coalition, which I chair, the North Shore uh, Coalition of Mayors and Town Managers, the, commu- uh, the Commuter Rail uh, Communities Coalition, and the business community, the Chamber of Commerce and others have come out in favor of some sort of gas tax increase, for example. Um, but the legislature needs to take these matters up. We can't keep you kicking the can down the road on, on transportation, on housing, and on, on climate action. Does business do its fair share, pay its fair share? Um, no, I don't believe they do, but I'm glad to see they're actually now supportive of a gas tax as they opposed, as you know. Uh, the last time we raised the gas tax in 2013, there was an inflationary index on that with an automatic increase with inflation. Okay. Voters they actually, that. yeah, they, and, they, and, and, and the business community supported that. That was a mistake. I think they're seeing that now. We're now the most congested traffic region, the metropolitan region of Boston, and that's a more than 130 cities and towns, more than four million people. It is the region that's, that fuels more than 80 percent of our economy in the Commonwealth. That it impacts everyone. They're starting to see how it's hurting us, and if we don't take action on these measures soon, John, we're going to have a different conversation in not too distance of a future. You know, how are we going to get the companies back that wanted to be part of this region, that wanted to be in Massachusetts? You know, what are we going to do about population shifts? People can't afford to be part of the metropolitan region. Transit equity in terms of creating reliable, efficient, affordable transit will help people stay in their cities and towns. Uh, if we don't take that action, we'll displace people. We'll displace poverty more remotely and more intensely. These are the type of consequences we're starting to see roll out here. And then on climate We've already seen the U.N. report come out that say we may be closer than we think to passing the do-not-return line uh, on, on climate change. If we don't take bold climate action now, it may be too late. Do you see a lot of complacency in the political culture in this state? I, I Listen, I see complacency. I see... Um, 
uh, if you want to, people say a lack of courage. I, I don't know. I don't want to go that. I will say we have to have the courage to have these conversations, debates. We have to lead. But I see a lot of courageous leaders uh, here, even at the state level, reps and senators. You know, how about Governor Baker? Governor, I think the governor has had courage to do some things. I don't agree with them all. I agree with this housing choice bill. I think it's an important tool, one of many we need. That would allow cities and towns on a straight, major, simple majority vote to change their their rules and regs governing yeah. housing rather than the two-thirds. Absolutely. And help in the production of housing yeah. in the areas we need it most. Uh, I would disagree with them and his unwillingness to raise revenue, dedicated revenue, to in to modernize our transportation system, not just the T, but the RTAs. Um, so, in, you know, that's a philosophical difference. That doesn't mean he doesn't have courage, you know, to do it. I think he does. I think we, we, need, to, we need to step back and rely on our better values as a commonwealth to understand how we're going to be that shining example of a hill as a commonwealth if we don't take on these measures. And the status but, quo was just keeping us, is holding us back. But, you know, within this commonwealth... Yeah. There are very sharply defined and often conflicting factions. There's generational splits. What is an appealing idea, for instance, uh, maybe raising, uh, lifting the two and a half cap on property taxes uh, to younger residents is poison to seniors who have fixed incomes. There's regional differences. You talk about uh, taxes for transportation. The western part of the central and western part of the state often balks at what they see as Boston-centric policies. You know, how could an, how can a governor say reconcile all this stuff and get to yes? Well, this is the opportunities we have to display leadership. Changes, admittedly, won't come in six months. The narrative is a value narrative we need to create with our constituencies. And whether you're a Democrat, Republican, uh, socialist, independent, you know, people need to know and we need to communicate with them that we represent them all. We've got their back on this. We're fighting for everyone in this commonwealth. And you're right, there are some who have generational experience on this, who have opposition or support for some of these issues. Uh, but they want to know if we connect with them on a value basis that we're fighting for them, not one group versus the other. And that's what we're trying to do here on all these issues. We're fighting for the present generation and the future one. We're fighting to preserve the investments people have made in their properties over the years while also trying to afford people an opportunity to stay in the communities that they love. Uh, we're fighting to advance the economic investments already made in the economy at the same time, you know, making sure that people get to participate in that economy as well as we leave a, a better climate, a better earth, you know, and better environment for the generations that follow us. I think when we engage in that work, and it's hard work, it's complex work, uh, we'll get the change we want. Again, I'm not naive to say, you know, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm not blind to, to hear, sit here and say that, well, it, it, we need to get it done in six months. We do need to get it done yesterday. But if we don't embark on this work, this necessary work of leadership and listening, engaging the public and fighting for this bold systemic change, we're never going to get there, and the consequences are dire. Mayor Joe Curtitone of Somerville, thanks for joining us here on Studio BZ. Thanks for having me.
Well, joining us right now is Gilbert Ott. He runs the travel website God Save the Points. Gilbert flies around the world blogging about his trips, sometimes racking up more than 200,000 miles a year. He's going to talk tonight about travel tips, deals, and much more. Thank you so much for coming in, Gilbert. Very nice to meet you. Pleasure. Same to you. And you just arrived at Logan Airport. About 20 minutes ago, yeah. <laughs> about 20 minutes ago, and here you are. <laughs> Logan Airport has had its busiest year in 2018, more than 40 million passengers. There are new airlines, massive terminal renovations. I'm sure you've noticed new international destinations and more more flights from the existing airlines JetBlue and Delta. What does this all mean for the average flyer out of Boston? Short story, great news. Mm. Uh, you know, when airlines compete, we win. I might even argue that unless they're forced to compete, we might never win. Mm. But when you're seeing these new carriers come in, better seats, more flights, more frequencies, that means a lot of seats they've got to fill. And with the new, you know, kind of better setups on board, people got to step up. More competition is always a good thing. It's right in your website's name, God Save the Points. Frequent flyer miles are useful to book either free flights or, of course, reduced cost flights. And you really don't have to be a flyer to earn them, though. You say there are other ways to try to collect some of these points. I'd say they're really poorly named. Frequent flyer miles would imply that you need to be in, you know, an affluent business traveler or something like that. But the truth is that you should be earning them from everything you do every day. You Through know, your you, credit card. Absolutely. Credit cards are the simplest and easiest way to do that. You know, buying a latte you're working towards a free trip mm. especially if you you know you can even pay your tax bills on credit cards these days so. and are there special cards <laughs> that will specifically give you those flyer miles as opposed to just regular points or i mean you know there are a few great ones i think capital one venture is a great card uh, amex chase see like they're all they're all good products out there that allow you to earn points which you can use in a more customized way so if you just want to use them as cash back they can help you take money off of you know a small purchase around christmas maybe mm -hmm. or if you want to transfer them into airline miles or hotel points, you can do that as you well. You can do that as well. Let's yeah. say you don't have a bunch of miles racked up. What is the best way, do you think, to find the cheapest flight? I'm a huge fan of setting price alerts. So that's where mm. you go on Google Flights. Probably that's my favorite, or Kayak is another good one. And you basically just put in these alerts for when you ideally want to travel and if you can any flexibility you have so let's say you really want to go Monday to Monday but you could do Monday to Tuesday or Wednesday to, to Monday whatever it may be and put in the alerts for all those and then you're gonna get emails right into your inbox of when the prices go up and down and sometimes you see some astonishing things and flexibility is key too. Yep. you say not every seat I'm big on seat I want a special seat you say <laughs> not every seat is created equal there are better seats in coach than others so how do you figure that out when you're looking at that map when you're booking and you're deciding which seat to pick up? Yeah, so if you buy a car, you're going to do some research, right? Right. Of People course. get on the plane, they don't even think about a seat. So, um, you know, I think it's crucial to look up seat maps, see where, let's say, the exit row is, you know, or the extra leg room, whatever it may be, right. and really try to study the plane beforehand. Do that little bit of research is going to make your trip so much better. I love the emergency row. Because oh, it's me too. all that extra leg love room. Uh, you just wrote an article about enjoying new destinations as a local would as opposed to a tourist. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so, you know, I think we, as tourists, you know, fix onto things like seeing Times Square, these iconic things around the world that we're told are important for no, you know, intrinsic value. I really like to try to find where I would exist 
within the culture. You know, mm -hmm. if I come to Boston and I like hipster coffee and you know mezcal margaritas or something like that, where <laughs> where am I going to fit in? You know, and I try to find where a person like myself or similar likes, beliefs would be, and I find that that takes me to interesting places. Very cool. You have an ongoing international Catch Me If You Can contest. This went viral a couple of years ago. You're, you have a twist on it now. Tell us about what you're doing here in Boston. So I'm here in Boston. The idea was that I would give away my seat coming here, but no one found me. I keep trying to tell people. I even told them which flight I was on, and no one bothered to look up. Because as travelers, we look down, we put our phones out, and yes, we keep moving. True. And where is it that you're going tomorrow? Uh, I'm going down to D.C. doing a talk about how people can do exactly what we're doing right now. Excellent. And where, what's your Twitter handle, Instagram handle, if people want to see those clues to find you tomorrow? So we can't afford the S yet, so Twitter is just God Save the Point. <laughs> okay. Uh, on God Instagram, we got the S in there, so it's yeah. God Save the Point. Okay. And uh, hashtag Where's Gilbert? You can see everything that's going on right now. With and where office. are you on people taking their shoes and socks off on a flight? Because I think the air marshals should be in involved in that. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Shoes are okay. Shoes, I think, are universally okay. Yeah. Obviously, you know, be considerate with your hygiene before and after. Socks, never okay. There's never a time where socks can ever come off on a plane. Quote me. It's unbelievable Quote me for a time life when people are taking those things off. Gilbert Ott, God save the points. Thank you so much and good luck with the contest. Thank you. Thanks we appreciate for having, having you on. Dr. Malika Marshall is here for her Yay. inaugural session Hello. in the studio. Hi, doctor. In the new studio. In the new so studio. Isn't it nice? Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's so good to have you here. Thank you for We've having me. We brought you in for your medical expertise mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. Liam threw out a theory last week <laughs> and we need you to either back up or debunk his notion that perhaps humans should hibernate. Wait, well, so many of the conversations in here start with Liam threw out a theory. <laughs> and, uh, you know, here it Liam's is. Liam's always so, thinking. Yes. Every November, uh, and I don't think I am the only one who feels this way, I get a little sluggish. I get a little tired. The sun is setting earlier each night. It's cold. You just want to be inside. I get more tired, and I get hungry. And it occurred to me... Have you considered some... laying off the bong? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. No, Sorry. I think that helps, actually. It occurred to me some time ago that perhaps humans should kind of be slowing down the metabolism a bit and partially hibernating during the winter. So what I compare this to is a tree squirrel. Tree squirrels, you'll notice in the winter, you don't see them for a few days, but then when the sun comes out, maybe it gets into the 40s, you'll notice them scurry down the tree. They go around, they gather some food, they head back up. They are partial hibernators. Ground squirrel, full hibernator, like a bear. Tree squirrel, partial hibernator. And I think this could be a model for how we live here a in model. New England, where we <laughs> we just head inside. <laughs> we all disappear. You know, you can forage for food here and there, but yeah. for the most part, you're inside, bag of potato chips, lots of Netflix. Post make yourself some food. You know, cuddling. Can, okay, can I... Can I now, squirrely, now is where you come? Okay, this is where I come. Okay, so first of all, I think on some level we do do that. Right? Like, you don't see your neighbors in the wintertime. You spend most of your time yeah. outdoors. You are more sluggish because you aren't generally exercising and getting around as much. You're not yeah. getting as much sunshine. Right. And some of us, and I'm afraid that you might be suffering from it as well, mm -hmm. develop a little seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, and our circadian 
clocks or rhythms are are off because we've talked about sort of the pros and cons of daylight saving time, yes. and it probably is not as healthy for us as people think it might be. Um, so how, if you were coming in to rebut me, yes. and as it turns out, she is completely <laughs> supporting my well, theory. No, no, no. Well, don't be so I, quick. I think maybe maybe we are like the... What is that? The what is the partially hibernating animal? The tree squirrel. The tree squirrel. Any so maybe we're a little bit species. like the tree squirrel because yeah. I'm looking outside right now. I don't see a single soul walking around. Right. Um, however, I have to say, when I first heard about this theory of yours mm-hmm. or this wish of yours, I was like, "What? What is he talking about?" <laughs> and then it made me think of bears in caves, and apparently, bears are not complete true hibernators, just so right. you know. Yeah. But um, but then I thought, does he want us to be in caves? And then I asked Jonathan, <laughs> yeah, I actually asked maybe. Jonathan because I'd never thought about it. I was like, wow, do bears like urinate and defecate when right. they're hibernating? So I actually I don't think that they up. do. Well, they do much less than obviously right. when they're they up slow and everything about. Down. They slow everything down yeah. and apparently they end up with a very thick fecal plug by the end of their mm. hibernation oh, time. That's wonderful. Oh, so my diet hurt. just took off. <laughs> Are you going to have me back this is, anytime guys, soon? This is the beauty of nature, everyone. Okay? No supper needed for me tonight. <laughs> but I have to say, I was thinking, well, you know what? Maybe there are some health benefits to hibernating, right? Slowing your metabolism yeah. down. It slows down your oxygen needs. It slows down your blood flow. And the reason that humans don't hibernate is because we evolved from relatively um, warm climates. We've only sort of migrated to colder climates like in the past 100,000 right. years. Why are you right. laughing? Are you laughing because... <laughs> no, no, John's no. laughing. John, like, I can't stop right giggling the because John is giggling. I did not have fecal Are you still plug. back on fecal plugs? I did not have that on my oh, bingo stuck on fecal plugs? <laughs> on what other podcast? There are millions of podcasts and only one can you hear good, solid... Bayer fecal plug talk. You well, might have actually, to bleep there, me, which is... There I might would. be some other podcasts that do deal with that uh, subject, John, just not in the way you expect. Okay, anyway, my point is we have not yet evolved the biological processes that we would need right. to have to truly hibernate. Right. My mm-hmm. argument is we should start. We should start <laughs> working toward this. Think about the potential benefits if humans could learn how to hibernate. When we have to start space traveling because we're destroying the planet, mm. it's going to happen. We're going to have to go to Mars. That's eight months in a spaceship. Boom. You hibernate for eight months. Here's I'm glad you said that. Up, there I'm are scientists that are actually studying that. One, for medical purposes, for people who are exsanguinating, who have, have suffered major trauma and they're losing their blood. How mm. do you get the body to hibernate so that you can yeah. keep that person mm. living until you can save their life? Um, and then the other thing that was brought up was space travel, trying to get to yeah. Mars, that in order for humans to travel to Mars, that they would not need to be in some sort of state to handle, I don't know how long it takes to get yeah. to Mars, but a long time. And then um, you have to create less uh, heat in the spaceship because we're hibernating. That saves energy. Maybe you get there a little faster. But here's, so, it's, so, it's never going to happen though, Liam. Why is, why is it not going Well, because happen? we have evolved as humans. The whole reason that, that animals hibernate is to, is because it's cold and they need to maintain their body temperature. And in order to do that, they decrease their metabolism. They basically shut down so yeah. that they can survive through the winter. Right. We humans have developed heat and cars and houses <laughs> and coats and, and all kinds of things. Humans need other human contact, generally. Yeah. Well, I'd this like to hibernate next to someone. That'd right, nice. but if you're truly hibernating, it's going to be a limited number of people. And what are you going to do with well, your that's kids? Okay. You're just all going to be like I think little, everyone hibernates little pods? Together. Yeah, you're like, like a, a little, little family a little, pod? You know, cuddle uh, situation. Well, you don't want to <laughs> cuddle. This is a partial hibernation. 
You don't want to be cuddling with a bear if it's been a long time since he last. You know. <laughs> and John don't worry, and I they're plugged. They're good. I do they're actually fun. love the fact that through my stupidity, I've stumbled upon this brilliant thing that, like, you're saying scientists are, are actually studying, studying actually my stupid studying theory. And maybe, we, you know, we talked about the tree squirrel, using the tree squirrel as a model for how we mm-hmm. should get through the winter. Maybe we follow the pattern of the birds and we migrate. Well, that's right? what you do once you retire. When you retire, yeah. You're a snowbird. It's the snowbird. Right. Snowbird. So, you're... so we're all kind of doing these things that animals do, and it's not really that silly. Right. Is what I'm but saying. You, but what I'm saying is that you haven't really come up with anything new. No. Uh, oh. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I'm She's uh, saying that's that's we are doing original what you were You go, Dr. Malika. Right? Yeah. We get in bed with our loved ones and we snuggle under down comforters <laughs> and we watch movies. I'm and saying it's the hygge. Stay in bed. Right. Yeah, Paul is arguing very much in favor of the hygge. Hygge. Uh, what is a hygge? Philosophy in uh, it's Denmark. Denmark, yes. Okay. They believe it's a lifestyle. H-Y-G-G-E. H-Y-G-G-E. Mm-hmm. There have been books written about it. It's become very popular in the U.S. now. That, you know, having candles and warm sweaters and sitting around with your family around hot drinks and the normal things we do in New England, actually. Yeah, but, but, you um, but then it's a whole, it fully, you embrace right? it and create it as a whole lifestyle. Well, what if you hate your family? <laughs> that gets in the way of your hygge. <laughs> so, okay. So we, we got your, uh, your expertise on my silly theory. Yeah, and I have to say, I gave it serious thought because I know okay. you were a very bright young man, Liam. <laughs> so, Liam, this, this hibernation thing. Yeah. I want to talk to you about this a little more. Okay. Um, when did you realize that this was becoming uh, sort of a problematic <laughs> obsession with you? I, I don't believe it is problematic. I see. Actually. Okay. Uh, but I, I, I came upon this idea about two years ago. Really? Yeah. Just as I was, you know, it was November day. I was tired we and hungry. And I thought, it. boy, I bet animals are tired and hungry right now, too. And then I thought, I bet especially the ones that hibernate because you're trying to increase the fat storage. And ahead of the winter. Jonathan wonders why you remember such stupid things for two years. Oh, oh, yeah. I hold on to everything, as Paula knows. It's true. He yeah. has a mind like an elephant. Well, I mean, that's nothing. Never I can rem- I remember the lyrics to Hanky Panky by Tommy James and the Shondells, <laughs> and that had to be 50 years ago. So. I'm with you on that, oh. Liam. All right. What, what are, are they? they? Yeah, what are they? My baby does the hanky-panky, yeah. My baby does the hanky-panky. My baby does the hanky-panky. <laughs> now, hold on, hold on, hold on. That was, that is, uh, uh, what is that, five or six lyrics? Five or six That's not impressive that, that you remembered that. Let's see you remember My the lyrics to it. My baby does the hanky I just remembered it. <laughs> You'll never well, forget it now. I'll never forget it. So thank you to Dr. Malika Marshall for yeah, visiting the studio. Thank you. Nice to see you. I, we've decided, yeah, once a month. Let's yes, have Malika in to talk have... about the best sort of medical stories that you've covered of each month. To discuss all of Liam's Or something that's yes. blown yes. you away. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll come up with more obsessions right. to uh, bring to you. And we want you to share this podcast, subscribe, review, give us stars. The Twitter handle is at StudioBZPod. I'm at Paula Evan. At Keller at Large. At Liam WBZ. How Dr. about you, Malika? I'm at Malika Marshall. Hmm, and so you can, can watch send your medical questions. Malika Knightley, by the way, 8 p.m. on TV 38 and CBSN Boston. She has her Malika Minute our new segment on the uh, 8 o'clock news. Mm-hmm. We love having you there. there. Okay. We have to teach her our sign off. Oh, yes, oh. that's right. Yeah, I think we did this last time you were here. Thanks for listening and we'll, we'll be seeing you. you. She remembered. Oh, yeah. no, that's new for me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be seeing you.
will be seeing you.